Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's episode of Gym Owners Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Stone. Over there is John Fairbanks. How's it going, John? I'm pretty fired up today, Tyler. I'm pretty pumped about Jeez, what we're well, about. I don't know how that came in on your guys' end, but it sounded like I just talked to a freaking robot. What perfect oh, no. connection to go to <laughs> shit. Let's do that again. How you doing, John? I am pretty fired up, Tyler, in a non-robot voice. Very good. Very good. Before we get started, let's make sure you guys are following us on all the things. Make sure you follow the show at the Gym Owners Podcast on Instagram. Make sure you get in the Facebook group, the Gym Owners Revolution. Link is in the description for all of the uh, all the show episodes. Should be in there. Should take you right there. Uh, make sure you go to gymownersrevolution.com if you're interested in working with us directly. If you have any questions about services that we do, consulting services, business planning, etc., for your gym, make sure you can just shoot me or John a message directly at Tyler F. and Stone on Instagram or John is J Banks FL. You can also uh, send us an email at the dudes at hackyourgym.com. Let's get into it. John, I was sent this article by from you, I believe was the first one to send it to me. I've since gotten it twice uh, from other really? people as well. Yeah. And not this article specifically, same as you, this, this concept here. Uh, LA Fitness is in some hot water. Yeah. The problem is, is they're not doing anything that I don't think anyone expects them to do. Like, I don't understand. So LA Fitness, huge franchise, correct? Not truly changed, but it's franchises, I believe. Um, sure. LA Fitness gyms kind of fucking rule. I don't have much to say. My experiences in them have been great. I've been in LA Fitness gyms in about three different cities, and they've all been a wonderful time to drop into. Nice facilities, has all the stuff that I need. If I had to if I had to open a new gym with a new model, that would be kind of the floor plan that I would kind of like to go with, and then I would yeah. do some other things. But, boy, have they caught some shit here uh, for basically misleading people into signing them up for long-term contracts. Now, before I get into the details here, I want to make sure we establish – John and I stance on contracts. I don't have a problem with somebody paying a long-term contract for a gym membership, even mm -hmm. if they want to. If you're going to be there for a year or two years and you want to pay ahead, go for it. Do I think that it's right probably for a gym to force anyone who wants to join into doing that? I don't know. I don't like it. I wouldn't for my gym, but I don't, I don't hate it if it's just for your membership, right? I don't <clears throat> it's whatever people can take it or leave it. Now, what I would recommend though, right? Let's just say, John, let's do simple numbers. If your membership's a hundred dollars a month, right? And your goal is to make sure that you get 12 months or whatever out of these contracts. You're obviously, if you need to get $1,200 per year mm -hmm. out of this client for it to work for your business, then the contract is the only way to do it. Is that correct? Right. That I guess that's right. Except it's what the, if someone it's the easiest. Yeah. But what if someone wants to join your gym and doesn't want to pay the contract? What does that represent to you as a gym owner? Risk. Risk of them leaving. Right. It's risk that they don't stay the full 12 months. Then fucking charge more for someone that wants to go month to month. I just don't understand why that has to be something we completely box people into. But that is not what this is either. This is like kind of aggressive sales things, pushing people into personal training. So bigger ticket stuff running anywhere yeah. from 500 bucks a month to a thousand bucks a month. And you're getting them to sign on the dotted line and committing for a full year, sometimes two years. Um, and these are just aggressive salespeople that are coming in, getting people locked into this. And the contractual agreements, as I'm reading them here, are if you want to cancel early, you can. But you just have to pay 50% of the remaining balance. Yeah, and there's a lot of people on here that are 
elderly, not really aware of what's going on, coming in and paying like getting locked into like six thousand dollar contracts, and they and get funneled not- into some you know personal trainer that maybe they don't like. You know, that's the other thing, man. That type of relationship three times a week with a personal trainer, and if if you have like an open book on the methodology that your trainers can use. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, they could just not be for you. Like I could go in and just hire a personal trainer, John. What are the odds of that personal trainer and not like being someone that I want coaching me? 10% chance that it works probably for me because I have some specifics well, that I want. To. For a year. For a year. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's it's got to be like way, it's got to be lower than 10%. The odds that I want to well, continue to work with that same person for a year and then that person's not- capable of training me. And what's crazy too, is you dig into it. It's not just one. It's not like just one location and it's not just recently. So it's kind of like you can see that this is like a problem, an underlying problem that exists across like multiple locations over when I dug into it, like over well over like the last decade. And now one of the things here that's being said is is where it gets even more misleading already. Fundamentally, I don't like that concept because I don't, I think I believe first off, if I believed the gym was doing this for the sake of client of what the thing I'm about to pitch, which is clients need to commit and they need to be invested in order to get results in the long run. If I really believe that that's what LA fitness was doing here, I'd be like, okay, you know what? They're executing on a fundamental principle that I believe in, in regards to the fitness industry is the success of clients requires commitment, investment, consistency, etc. I believe there is a 0% chance that that's why LA Fitness is doing this. It's just two things. One, guarantees a little bit of money. Two, those contracts now have value. And that value, we start, we start talking about fake business. That value is boom. Now I sold $7,000 worth of personal training today. Not yep. one or two months before somebody quits and then they move on forever. Um, or they default on the thing, or they get a new debit card, and we never see them again, and we turn them over to collections. This is a thing that happens a lot in these larger scale businesses: is they just make up, they make these contracts, and then they use them as an asset, and they go in and borrow money against that asset, so they can put up another location or put money down on real estate. And so it just starts stuffing a portfolio with fake money, and then you wonder why these things end up going tits up after, you know, every decade or so there's a whole bunch of closures and these guys just ride the ebbs and flows of the real estate market and and they act like that's the thing they're completely handcuffed to whereas the ones that don't play that game by the way have been locked into a solid real estate deal since before 2008 and they haven't been playing this fucking fake business game and their shit just works because it works it's also when you think about it conceptually, it always is starting off on the wrong foot, because if if I'm going to go month to month, it would be my most expensive option that I could buy. Mm-hmm. And so even if we're going to talk about personal training, which this is that fundamental mistake of like how they're applying a concept that could be used successfully for basement gym memberships and now applying it to a higher service based thing. Well, I, I guarantee you we're going to talk about like the problems, the obvious problems mm-hmm. of that. But it is then why even present a year or two year option, which is even more insane for personal training. It's just to get the price lower for you to be able to tell somebody like, well, it's, you know, it's a thousand dollars a month. For two years, you get this. Yeah. It's only, it's only $400 a month if you commit for two years. And it's like, it immediately is, has nothing to do with any of the things that we talk about of like that person actually being able to achieve shit. And it's just, well, what's the cheapest price that I could get them locked in for? 
I mean, it's like, think about it's like two year phone contracts. Yeah. Think about that. Like think about like some of these things of like an actual service or whatever that you're paying, but it's like, there are elements of this that are so poor and so awful that no shit they had to use like cloak and dagger. Like, well, no, it's the first month. It's all you have to pay. Oh, and you can cancel is, at any time. And this is what has happened here. And this is what these allegations are, is that now you're, you're getting salespeople who are not, they're not the trainers, right? They're salespeople. And I'm probably okay if your business is on that scale to having your salespeople be salespeople only. But to be honest with you, when you're talking a long-term relationship, you're talking three times a week, you're, you're talking 150 plus hours a year, the two people are going to have to spend together. I'm not letting some salesperson sell the rights to 150 hours of my time for whatever amount of money, and then force me to spend it with somebody that they picked. No, like the thing, it does have to work. So I like the idea of a salesperson coming in, facilitating a conversation, but I really, really think there should be some, a little more leeway and who the trainer is, what the type of training is going to be like. But now when this person here, and there's been multiple people have come forward to say the same thing that they say, okay, well, we'll make a one-time exception for you and we'll just let you try. This is to solve that problem. We'll let you try it out for a month. So they charge them for the first month. And then what happens? Oh, second month, the payment just keeps going. Third month yep. payment just keeps going. And next thing you know, is this, guy, this person's paying five, 600 bucks a month out of pocket forever. And if he wants to have the payment stop, he's got to spend three grand to shut it down. And that's bullshit. I think it's pretty disingenuous. I think it makes the industry look really bad. And it is exactly what it looks like. I don't understand how anybody can go into this and go, this is, this is fine. This is like, I don't. Most people offering a year, like to be locked in for a year, that's like a big thing for someone who you know is already committed to your business, right? I'm going to be here. I'll pay for the whole year up front. It's kind sure. of a way to get some cash flow. Very, I wouldn't commit to any gym that I'm at for 12 months to not go somewhere else, to not want to. Like, I just, I don't get it. And I'm sure there's clauses. If you move away and you give us a new address. and you know, 15 yeah. miles away or but, whatever. But my gripe with this is it's not what it's, it's not for the success of the members. It is, it simply is fake business. That's the problem. It's fake business under the guise of like, well, this is really, this is fundamental solid business principles. We need to get this asset secured. We need to make some guarantees and then we can leverage this and this. And it's not. It's just not because you're completely looking away from the actual transaction that is is taking place. This person is using your facility and going to receive the benefits, hopefully, some of the services that your service providers can offer in exchange for their expertise and hopefully some of the benefits that they're able to get and not giving them an opt out if they don't like the arrangement or they don't under like to have to do that all up front. This isn't buying a car. This is something where this person needs to commit to this every day. There's effort going in and getting in your car that you just bought and driving it to work is not effort. It's not a thing. So once a car salesman gets somebody locked in and gets the commitment, it just is what it is. But if you're locking people into long-term big ticket contracts with in fitness, especially with personal training involved, like there's one side of it is maybe that makes them more committed. They're locked in. It makes them likely to show up. Sure. But also know that you can't just buy that. And therefore you are setting yourself up for a lot of very bad situations with very unhappy people who, by the way, maybe just didn't show up and weren't going to fucking do it. And that's the reality of the industry. 
but then don't put yourself in a situation as a business to where now you're the bad guy for that. That's the biggest problem. I love, listen, all my clients have to commit for eight or 12 weeks. I won't fucking deal with anybody who's not paying ahead for that time. Right. Not even close. And now I won't work with anybody who is not also following a nutrition plan, whether it's mine or someone else's. Mm -hmm. If you do not have a plan that you are following, do not waste any of our fucking time in the gym. I will not do it. Now, <coughs> that eight weeks, 12 weeks, they don't like it. They can, they can move on. I don't get them results. They can move on. They don't personally like me. They can move on. They want to take up jazzercise instead. They can move on. They want to go to body pump at the YMCA. They can move on. They want to take up CrossFit. They get busy. Their leg falls off. Something fucking crazy happens. They can move on. And I'm not the bad guy. The relationship ended for whatever reason, and you can amicably mend an ending. What you cannot do is drag money out of their fucking pocket for a year or force them to interact with you for a year when they hate. It's it's brutal. There's no way that the, I'd, I'd be willing to bet, John, that 80% of those contracts are not seen to the end. Oh, absolutely. I love that data that we'll never make public. And there's like fundamental basic psychology. Like I would be hard pressed to find any research at all that says that people psychologically when they make a commitment are going to be able to un like fully understand and have that level of commitment continue to benefit them psychologically over the course of a year. You know what I'm saying? Like the idea yeah. of like the reason, the importance of like having people reinvest and be reinvigorated and have targets or have goals or have these things, anything, no one says. So what you do is you come up with an idea for a year and then just be locked into that like that. Cause like everyone knows you have to like recommit whether it's emotionally or psychologically or whatever it is like about every 12 weeks. Every 10 to 12 weeks, humans just cannot stay engaged for much longer than that. And that's probably like your most prolific people that are engaged yeah. is being able to do that kind of thing. Most so, people and most habits, and this is thing that we've done with my, my, my wife has done this quite a bit with her. Now she kind of uses this in her online kind of coaching process as well as, um, you know, it takes about three weeks in which most people will give up completely on almost anything is about three weeks or less. Yeah. Um, 21 days or so. Then it takes about three months for you to kind of fully integrate that thing into your life. So if you can make it past three weeks and then you can just bite down for it for three months, then you know, is it either in or is it out? You're going to try something new, whether it's baking or jujitsu or boxing or running or lifting weights or you know, going keto or whatever, whatever thing you're, you're trying to do. If you don't give it three months, you're not giving it a chance. Yeah. Now, most people won't even get in close. So that's why I set that eight to 12 weeks is that mark where I want them to commit for that because that is giving this a chance. Anything beyond that point is about me just guarantee making some guarantees on the money side of things that never work out for me or for you. And that's, I don't, I just don't yeah. understand. I know why they do it. And I'm telling you they is in like capital T, day. like the boss private equity firm exactly. that owns the fucking location is that I do not believe that you as a yeah. gym owner who kind of, if you've been listening, who's trying to do things the right way, I don't believe that that is the way that you need to be doing. Can we also talk about expertise on this idea too? Like fundamentally, God love you, LA fitness and 24 hour fitness and all those very, very similar models. But 
I come on, like the expertise of the personal trainers that are at these facilities. Like if you happen to be one, you know what we're talking, like what I'm calling out is when you look to your left and your right and you see colleagues that are in your spots, the, I don't know, 19 year old or whoever the fuck has been there that like is in this, it's the equivalent of like a puppy mill. Like yeah. these are not, so the idea that you could have somebody be locked in with a personal trainer for a year at a place that fundamentally does not require the same level of, we're not talking about CrossFit gyms and personal training studios or, or PT facilities that happen. Like personal trainers are not equal. No, and this isn't an LA fitness thing either, by the way. This, right, is, no. this is, by the way, this is the plague that I've noticed the most in 24 hour gyms. And this is why I believe that identifying, leveling up that skill set, being a person who is good, who wants to be a professional and show up at any of these 24 hour facilities and be a personal trainer, you immediately rise to the top and your reputation will precede you everywhere that you go if you just fucking behave professionally. The people in around some of these places that I've coached at, Jesus Christ, you show up and act like an adult and know what you're talking about and be respectful and on time and fucking, you know, look the goddamn part. Mm -hmm. they, they immediately look back at any of the other trainers that they had there and go, man, what in the fuck have they been doing here? And it's the truth. Yeah. And then they come back around and coach every once in a while. And I'm, I got to go. Literally, I'm at a point where every once in a while I'll see a personal trainer in a facility that I'm at and I'll want to make sure that everybody knows that I don't technically work for this place, that I work for myself. I work for my clients, that this person and I are not on the same level. We yeah. do not work. We're not employed by the same fucking thing. These people are idiots. They're unprofessional. They don't know shit. They're the goddamn worst. And they're a plague on the industry. And it's it, the problem is it's so the worst thing about becoming a personal trainer is that it's so easy to do it. Well, you're all the it same. Is. And the, You're the a personal best trainer, thing personal about the, for the future of being a person of personal trainers as an industry is that it's so easy to become one. And I think that right now what we're missing is people in this age group right now, 18 to 25 year olds pursuing that as a career. Because mm -hmm. you get kids like they come out of school and go, you know, obviously this is a different type of person. I'm going to go to tech school and I'm going to come out and I'm going to be an electrician and I'm going to make $25 an hour. And within five years, I'll be making 30, 35 bucks an hour. It's like, go get your NASM certification. If you've been training for five, six, seven years and you can behave professionally and you've been listening to this show, there's no reason you can't take home $60 an hour starting right fucking now and be completely and totally self-employed and call your shots and choose your clients and build your thing right now, right fucking now. And there's so many that's, but that's the biggest issue, John, how many personal trainers do you know that are under the age of 30 that you see out there? Well, I don't see, oh, you do. I don't see hardly any, but that might be my demographic, right? And where Most, you're at. So, Cause I'm personal, by the here are fucking washed up, dude. They're like, and, and don't lift. And I don't, I don't get it. And they're not fitness people. Hardly. See, see posers. what I see that's bad. Right. What yeah. you're seeing is bad. What I'm seeing is because I'm by a bunch of universities. Okay. And because we're by so many so you'll universities. You'll get the young to get spit out and think they know everything. That's almost worse. That, and it's yeah. terrible because I, and I'll be sitting somewhere, right? Like totally non-fitness related at a coffee shop or whatever, or, or some fucking place where everybody can sit and kind of hang out and chat. And 
I'll listen be like, oh, well, you know, I'm a personal trainer and I work at this facility. And then I'll hear them. Somebody would be like, well, you know, I have whatever, like fill in the blank. I have lower back pain or, or whatever the thing is. I want to be able to get stronger. It's like, what would, what would you think about that? And then I listen and it's just like, I have to leave. Yeah. I have to leave right now. I have to put my headphones in. I have to stop listening because it's like, oh, you have no idea what you're talking about. But boy, you sound full of shit. Like it's it is the equivalent of like trying to sell cars and it's your first month on the lot and you're just overselling your position and be like to try and convince everybody. Yeah, and that's around the- telling everybody exactly what size every engine is and realizing that nobody gives a fuck. Nobody gives a fuck. And that's <laughs> and, and it is right. And so that is that is where it's just anybody that does know. That's the problem. And here's the problem. The problem is the kid is like that kid, right? That example, for sure. The dude is like in his early twenties and he's passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Like he would love to have that be, but there's no one that's mentoring that poor bastard because there are really good gyms that are around that do have good owners or do have good trainers that for sure could foster well, that. let's talk about one component of this. I don't want to derail too much into this principle and maybe we'll go further onto this in a different episode, but the main component for the success of your clients, and I think your success as a personal trainer, as a coach in general, is there's there's one thing and one thing that I value more than anything else, and that is risk versus reward. That is in exercise selection. That is in your training methodology. That is in intensity. This is, but someone that comes in with a reasonable risk versus reward what's the word, uh, calculation that they do. I can respect the exercises they choose for certain people and why they do. Yeah, yeah. For certain people's goals, I can respect the intensity with, it, which, with which they go about it. Um, I have clients who have not been able to squat who we gradually work with some sandbags and things. And then I do throw a barbell on them every once in a while because it's fucking, you know what? They're in a gym. It looks like what other people do it and they want to fit in and do the thing. And it kind of rules. Yeah. But we're not just doing all that immediately because I'm not trying to make them conform to that thing originally. I want them to get, but I'm not going to have them squat a fucking PVC pipe so we can get the technique there and then they don't get any work done. Right. Right. Risk versus reward. I'm not going to take all the risks for all the reward, right? And I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to avoid all risks and not get any reward either. But that calculation, I can see kind of all the way through. There's some general stuff about movement stuff that will make me crazy. I've listened to a guy tell a kid, personal trainer, tell a, like a child, a teenager, how to do farmers carries, and his thing was: now you're going to want to shrug your shoulders up to your ears, and you're going to squeeze your shoulder blades back behind and stick your chest out. And I'm like watching this kid just like fuck up his neck and shoulders and also suck at carrying for it's like is is the worst way to go about it but is that going to hurt them eh, no probably not so i kind of it's stupid and now that kid doesn't know how to do that thing ever and and being wrong is one thing but being wrong about something that's relatively safe i it's whatever but I think if you don't know much, keep things simple. I think that that calculation, I think, is where I can respect somebody when they come in right away. Someone wants to come in and do a bunch of clever shit. Ugh, it makes me nuts. I'm all about functional training. and But there's nothing easier if you're a new trainer. Being in a facility like a 24-hour gym, is they got machines, man. Give them work. Yeah. Give them sensible work, focus on body part, do enough functional stuff to make them be a regular human, but you get them some results. Give them, you got to give them the things they need wrapped up in the cheese or bread like you would a dog, wrapped up wrapped up in the things they want. That's, that's just the way personal training is. 
you know, yeah. I got a kid who's got to do a lot of things, but you know what we do once a week always? We bench press and we bro down hard about it. Like I want him spiking the chalk, flexing in the mirror after sets. That's what it's about, man. Let's do it. Yeah. So not to derail that completely, but these facilities have this issue now. All of them do. And it is a it's a it's a big problem because they lack expertise generally. The impression isn't good because unless you see one of these contracts all the way to its fruition, you're going to not like the trainer at some point because you stopped and you're going to not like the business. And that's why these businesses kind of just sit large and loom over these markets and they just exist for sheer scale. It's really all it is. Um, but this practice of locking people into these long-term contracts like this, I hate it as an industry. I am all about offering them. I'm, I'm even all about giving a little bit of a discount if someone wants to. I'm yeah. all about it. If, you, if someone wants to commit for that long, let's talk. But that would literally be, John, in my offer stack, what it would be, because my offer stacks will still break down to a, every four weeks payments or whatever it'll be. Yep. 12-week commitment required. At the very bottom, it would say, you know, 12-month commitments available. For for yeah, a discount, an ask about ask about twelve month mm -hmm. commitments for a discount. Yeah, and if someone's interested in that, we'll go there. But again, it's about choice, not coercion. And I think that that's the thing. If you're boxing someone into a contract beyond a point that beyond these time frame that they're willing to understand, you're you're now pushing them into something, and that's that that's the concept of the upsell. Now you've pushed them up and you've taken them further than they want to go. And now you're doing shitty, shady sales bullshit, which does not work in an industry where people have to recommit to you every day, every morning when they eat right, every day when they go to the gym and work hard, every night when they get home and they need to get some decent sleep. They got to commit to their health. But every fucking day, what if you suck, dude? Or even worse, what if you're the salesman and you're a good salesman and you're sending some off to a personal trainer that sucks? That sucks too. But they don't like the gym, John. What if the commute's a little bit further than they thought they could deal with? Mm -hmm. It is what it is. And you cannot be forceful in this at all. And this is the biggest in sales and fitness. I think that's the biggest issue. We've seen some of the hormozy fucking brilliant sales, sales techniques that they talk about, which is like, my $200,000 Hummer's outside. If I said, get, give me $10,000, you can have it. You'd find $10,000. You'd call your mom. You'd borrow it from your, from so-and-so. You'd, you'd go sell your car to get it done. Why? Well, cause the value is there. Okay. You, you, you do that with your fucking silly little bait and switch. Pretend it's free fucking challenge offers that you dim launch dumb fucks have been running for decades. Like fuck all that. Okay, yeah. that is not reality. That is not that is not how this works with real people getting real results in fitness. That's being some bait and switch, bait and switch scumbags that are pre being predatory on the entire industry. That's what that is. So to come in and I have someone who comes in and I say, well, seven hundred bucks a month, you got to commit for the whole year, and they're like, well, I just don't know, I can afford that. Well, why don't you go fucking put it on your credit card? Just put it all in your credit card. Just go into debt for it. Because it's quote unquote worth it. It's that's not the way this fucking works. And that's not the way this industry works. It's just but, not. So applying that's the shady scumbag sales techniques from mm -hmm. every other online industry. You're better than that. You're just better than that. And you have to be a human focused industry, not a transaction focused industry. And I think it's really important for you guys that are listening. None of you are going to be private equity firm folks that yeah, are running multiple locations right that's not you but you have to respect the fact that it's, okay what is the what are those problems 
Yeah. Right. If they are competitors, if they are in that industry that you are in, what is it that makes them so shitty? And how are you very clearly calling out the fact that that's not the shit that you play? Because the fact is, is that if people have got burned by this type of shit in the past, the same way that Tyler, I've worked with a personal trainer before, and he was the guy that is in your same gym that you train with who you hate. Yeah. Well, guess what? If I've trained with him and he was a fucking joke, and I didn't like it, that means personal trainers equal charlatan, snake oil salesmen, mm -hmm. fucking chiropractors. Like it just is like, now that's everybody. So the issue yeah. is now you have to handle whatever that baggage is that somebody else has because of poor experiences in the industry. So you have to be able to know, you like it's not enough to be like, well, that's not us. And they'll know it because they'll see it and feel the difference. It's like some of these elements, you have to be able to clearly articulate why you are not that. And, and, and if you're say a CrossFit gym as a CrossFit gym, you've had to be able to justify why you are quite literally sometimes a hundred times more expensive than another gym that's in your area. That is yeah, one of those. You're 10 X what a planet fitness is. So you got to, right. yeah. So you should be used to that. And I think that that's an important element of it is you have to kind of know, okay, what's shitty and then don't get tricked into thinking like, maybe we should be able to have contracts like, all right, but why do they have to like, what game yeah. are they playing? And what game are you playing? Now there's some other value. Let's talk, let's talk about the, so contracts. So to, to a two year contract is on the far end, far extreme. That's on the, in the realm of things I think are bullshit. If your policy requires a one or two year contract, I think that sucks. Right. By the way, unless you're booked, there's some completely full. And I don't need people in. And the only people you know, that's, I guess you want to do that math. That's fine. But then at that point, I'd rather, if you're actually trying to have an impact in your community and you're full, it's time to replicate. It's time to stamp up in a different location. Then, if you're really trying to grow and your business works and it is giving people success and you're at capacity and all your processes are working efficiently. Perfect. Let's do another one then. Like let's, let's start to grow. That's that I'm all about, but the two year contracts are on one extreme. Um, I think that sucks. That is to protect against another thing, John, though, which is let's go on the far end. Most of you, I, most of you guys who are listening aren't like this, but we've literally worked with gyms directly who started at this point. And I've, I've personally helped gyms out of this situation, which is where they're kind of taking money by hand from people. It's cash, whether it's check when they come in, some very small yeah. personal training outfits. Yeah. We've had one we worked with in the gear Academy and actually two that we've kind of built into a, a, regular functioning business after this point. But in the beginning, if you're still accepting cash from people, here's what happens if you're accepting cash from people. I'll use the MMA. Because yeah. then again, this is in the FARC, the other side. This is what you're trying to avoid by going to two-year contracts. MMA gym I work with directly. One of the things that they were doing in the beginning, because it started out in a guy's garage, people show up and pay your dues every month. Except what happens in fitness and in martial arts? People sometimes don't show up for a while. They go away for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So someone pays one month and then they're not in for two or three months. Well, maybe by the second month they haven't been in, they go, shit, do I owe them those back dues? Do I got to, can I just come back in and pay them for this month? How does this work? If I haven't been in, do I have, and, but that, 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 that not being automatically taken care of actually makes them less likely to go back in, which yeah. means if they came to you for fitness or training or skill acquisition, whatever that is, they're not, they're less likely actually to get it over the course of a year because you're doing some fly by night, just pay me when you come in. And if you don't come in, we'll just start today again. That type of stuff actually keeps people away because it's a social barrier, right? Mm 
to have to come in and go, oh, no, I haven't been in in a while. Here's your money. Sorry about the last couple. Can I? That conversation keeps people away. Yeah. And so once you switch to, say, automatic EFT payments, where payments are recurring and they automatically come out every four weeks, guess what happens then? Those people who maybe hadn't been in in a month, bam, that payment runs again. And they go, shit. Oh, yeah. I got to get, get back in there. If yeah. They took the money. I got to get back in there. I got to get back in there. And then they'll know that when they go, they're already paid. They have the right to go. There's no social awkwardness. It gets more people in. And John, I, and I can tell you this for sure. We have people that go away and I can check and see when I haven't seen someone come back in a while, it's almost always within five days of the time the last payment ran. <laughs> sure. Almost always. It's a reminder. Yeah. And But if they came here to get those things, whatever it is, training, weight loss, consistency, you know, just whatever it is, they're going to get it when the payment comes. The payment comes out, they go, shit, all right, I already paid for it. Let's go do this. Mm -hmm. It's it's just different, okay? So that is one slight but major improvement, right, in regards to it gets them committed. It makes them more likely to – it increases their likelihood of success, right, by automating your payments versus fucking letting them hand you your payments. That's an improvement. Trying to guarantee those automated payments for two years is too far down that scale. Yeah. It's like you've just, you've gone too far. That's all it is. Like, I believe all things, all rules, all regulations, there's a sweet spot. Yep. There's, there's just a sweet spot. You know, if, if we're trying to talk literally any single issue, there's a sweet spot. John, DUI, 0.08 in some states, 0.1 in others. I think in Europe, it's like 0.03 or some shit. It's like one legit, a legit one beer thing. Single line. There is a line. There's a line. It's you got to set it somewhere, and there's a reasonable right. discussion to be had about where that line should be, and that's what we're here to do today. And I believe for us here in this industry, as personal trainers, blood alcohol content's got to be point out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, the uh, <laughs> the I, I I think it's eight or twelve weeks. Yeah. I think I think that's a minimum initial commitment. You don't have to pay it all up front. I prefer that people do, but it's okay. If your gym is doing recurring stuff, especially if you're just doing classes, and everything, you better be committed for 90 days. Outside of that, yeah, totally. But and, and why? Why must I commit for 90 days? Because that's just what it takes to get results. You can't come in here for three or four weeks. And if you want us to work with you on payments or something like that, we certainly can. That's a reasonable approach somewhere along the spectrum of paying me anytime you come in and it's bad for the business and bad for the people's chance of success versus guaranteeing locking people into two-year contracts, which is truthfully not the best thing for the business, but it makes your books look pretty good while you're leveraging that stuff into debt. Um, and it's the worst thing for your clients because that commitment doesn't really work that way. It doesn't work that far. Most people, Jesus Christ, John, how many relationships with humans males and females or whatever you're into like last two years i've only had one that lasted longer than two years and it's been 17 years now <laughs> you know yeah, yeah well that but for sure i would think i'm in the same yeah, boat they've all been way less than two years so to assume that someone's going to go into a gym i'm not going to the same if i can go if i can buy a membership john to a restaurant I get half off my meal, but I got to go once a month and I got to prepay or commit for two years. I ain't setting foot in a restaurant consistently for two straight fucking years. I'm not committing to anything for two years. And you know what actually really happens? It's just animosity. Yeah. So now it's like, fuck, I got to go here. I would love to go somewhere else, but I've already paid for it. I've already done this. So now I got to go fucking do this. And it's like, so it's someone, whatever. someone who chooses 
to commit for eight or 12 weeks or whatever. By the way, if they want to go month to month, maybe it's just more expensive in that capacity, but they're going to be committed for that 12 weeks. They can pay month to month. They're committed Mm -hmm. for 12 weeks. Someone who makes that choice. And then at the end of that 12 weeks, chooses to recommit for four, eight, or 12 weeks. By the way, that's an important thing. I let everyone who's made their initial commitment can go month to month with me on anything. Sure. After that, I don't require them to re-up for 12 weeks because I, but that first commitment I think should hurt. I still think it should hurt. It should, you know, this is a big investment, but this is to make sure you stick with it for this eight or 12 weeks times time frame. Beyond that, yes, now let's find a sustainable payment system. To pay. you know, not everybody can afford to drop two, three grand at a time every three months. But some of these people can come in and drop 700 bucks a month, 800 bucks a month. And this is definitely, this is where we're going to start to venture into like what we believe are important parts of the business as a whole, yeah. right? Of having like group and then being able to have a place for people to be able to then commit to a higher level of service, whatever that's going to be, whether you have a group or a general 24 seven membership, whatever it's going to be. But there is an element where we all know everything that we're talking about, just in case this is the first time you've heard our voices, it always comes down to client success. So everything has to do with, will your client be successful with what you are choosing to do in your business? So within the fitness business, there are too much where it goes, like Tyler said, like you said, it goes too far to one end of the spectrum where it's like, this is what's best for the business. Very, very rarely like crazy low. Does that also go in tandem with what's most successful or what's best for the client? What's best for the business is probably a lot of times at odds with what's best for the client. So until retention and the attractiveness of your business in your market start coming into play. And that's where I think a lot of these gyms fuck up. Right. Because, because really what ends up our whole thing and what we have seen work time and time again and completely change how gyms run their shit comes down to when you can marry what's best for the business to what's best for the client taking advantage of client psychology and taking advantage of all these pieces of being able to have them commit and then move up and down your services and have everything be aligned. That's when that does come into alignment. That's when shit really does start flowing very, very quickly. And it's kind of like getting, this is why you, like you said, this is what made me think of it was like, that initial 12 weeks, that initial commitment should hurt because it's it's like getting a fucking train started. Yeah. It takes a lot of energy to get this big bitch moving and it gets it's slow and a lot of work. But by the time we get to that 12th week, we're not flowing this person. We know what their goals are. We know what they want. We like they've they've been integrated into the community. All those things that are really important, the first 12 weeks of capturing somebody's attention and getting them built into your community is a lot of fucking work and it should be. But once we hit week 12, we're now like you're now you're now moving and the ability to either keep them going for another 12 or move them into another thing becomes infinitely easier because you've done all of this excellent work up front. And, you know, one of the things, too, is if this was working in retaining people, because this theoretically is people locking people into one year and two year contracts, if it was working. Because by the way, John, these businesses operate at a much larger scale than most CrossFit gyms. I think the average membership in a CrossFit gym, uh, member numbers in a CrossFit gym is between like, I'm going to guess it's in the range between 75 and 200. Sure. 
most likely, right? But I, I, I bet 90% of gyms fall, CrossFit gyms fall in between that space. There's some boutique personal training studios. I'm not sure. Their numbers kind of can be all over the place depending on what they do. But these gyms, the ones that do the contracts are the ones that have the most clients. Usually you're looking at 10x to 20x what a more of a coached product is, right? A high, you know, one that doesn't know, just sell access. So a lot of these gyms that are offering these contracts are the ones that are doing way, 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 way more volume. And yet, how are our national retention statistics doing? These are the ones drive, these are the people that are driving the data. These are massive franchises. These are huge chains. And these are people that are in every goddamn market, almost every market. There's anywhere from one to 10 of these types of gyms that are forcing people into contracts in one way or another. And yet, so I would say these are the people that represent the largest swath of data that we're getting regarding retention. And yet right. people don't commit to a gym, don't stay in a gym for more than fucking 90 days. So it's not working anyways. It's not right. working for the clients and it's trashing the gym's reputation. So why are they doing it? Well, I've already told you why, right? It's just, it's, it's just fake business. It's money on a dotted line so they can borrow money against it. That's all it is. It's all it really is. But it's not working. It actually is not working for retention not even close. Those people still aren't staying. So for you out there, don't go, well, these most, this is why I always say, don't replicate this, this, all the things that you see from the most successful gyms out there, or as you understand to be the most successful gyms out there. Mm -hmm. That ain't it. It ain't you. Just, just look in, look in at your facility, your people, what will help your people be successful? Is your business going to take a shape from the level of commitment that they put in to the, the services that are offered to them, to the fact that they better feel like they got a choice every step of the way? And not only that, if they have questions, they should be making an informed decision, not an uninformed decision, not a, not a bait and switch decision, not a decision that's made by forcing them into this is the only product we have type shit that is not good for retention that's not good for long-term commitment and long-term commitment and consistency is what gets clients results for me that was where i was going next right is yeah. like it, it really starts to come down to then it's long-term commitment somebody being with you it's all right what are the results people are getting because look the fuck around your communities there's still if you live in the states still a lot of fat and unhealthy motherfuckers that are out there yeah. And it's like, okay, so now let's look at your gym then. If you're supposed to be the antithesis of that, then how do your people look? What are the results that they're getting? Because, and, and I think totally respectful, I think it's really important that every gym, even if you are one that has that high, you know, high level of coaching, high level of expertise <coughs> and lots of one-on-one, -on -one, like the ability to help people then get high success, you still want to be able to capture people in that maybe isn't as high level of specificity and high level of, of coaching that still allows someone to come in and get their foot in the door, but it does totally respect the fact that it's the results will be lower, right? It's, you can, you can look around. We've had people talk to us about like, well, you know, I was, I was at, I've tried a couple different CrossFit gyms and you know, one gym, everybody kind of looked like me or was a little overweight and kind of, and this person wasn't, overly healthy and it was like they kind of all looked like me and, and i felt like, like to know that i feel welcome it feels like i'm included 
And initially this person he, doesn't want to stay looking like that. They want to get, they want to have a change. So then he's like, well, then I went to another CrossFit gym and kind of everybody was like really like jacked or they look good. And it's like, that's what I wanted. So I felt like it was helping me achieve, like reach for that goal. And so that's where it's like, even in CrossFit as a gym owner, and this is where I'm going is as gym owners, you have to respect the fact and don't hide that your group membership class is not fucking built for results. No, it's that's not why it exists. That's not why it's ever created in the first place. It was always built as an intense compromise to try right. to get more people to do a type of training so that a coach then when it's more affordable for them. So it's a way to draw more people in, but it's not about optimizing results. And that's one thing I that gets very frustrating with me when you talk about a CrossFit training methodology mm -hmm. can be done one-on-one, -on -one, can be done in semi-private, but how is it always done? A group of people, kind of, not always, by the way, there's some great coaches, but a group of people kind of barely getting supervised, just gripping and ripping some nonsense. I've been in CrossFit gyms all over the world, guys. I probably, if you're listening to this, I've been in way more CrossFit gyms than you have in way more countries. I'll almost guarantee it. And I can tell you this, it's not done very well in a lot of places. It's just not. And I still believe the methodology as written is one of the best recipes for general fitness. It's, you know, bordering on, the, I'm not a huge fan of the Olympic way. But again, scaling is about not just skill and strength. It's also about risk versus reward. Meaning, my mother, who is 60, does not need to go in and ever need to learn how to snatch or clean a jerk. If the, she has offered scaled replacement options for that every single workout that she goes into, then she should do the other things, right? That, I, I think that's totally fine. Um, but I, I just fundamentally, I think that the, you have a system that is built for success and that is now being delivered in a way that is compromising on a few things. And it's an equation that most people are willing to accept. But, but you and your business needs to decide what products of yours can fit that. This is why I believe CrossFit gyms should still offer private personal training, should offer bodybuilding style personal trainings. I don't know of many CrossFit athletes who are good, like, like good, good, that don't do bodybuilding style training and some powerlifting style strength work and some strongman style strength work. They're not in gripping and ripping wads in classes like everybody is do, like everybody does in all these gyms where people just watched CrossFit in 2014 and 15 and just went, yep, let's just do this in class. Just set the timer and off we go. And and I just I, I fundamentally believe that these gyms, your opportunities is in giving people more choices, allowing them to go up or down, more expertise, more personalized attention, less personalized. Let me spend more money. Let me invest more in my nutrition. Let me try something a little bit different. But if you're forcing everybody into the same thing and boxing them into the same time frame for this long-term thing, they will get tired. They will get tired of it. They will want to try something else. And then it is you who now, you and your business and this contract you got them roped into that has them complete, that stands in between them and the thing that they're trying to do. And, and don't make the mistake that it is when we say that it's don't confuse the fact that your group fitness option for a CrossFit gym or your baseline 24 hour membership for a 24 seven location. Don't make the mistake that when we say it's that is still critical for capturing your general population and building community. 
it's affordable so it's still, entry points too. Like you need, not everyone is going to trust you to the end of the world. That's what, that's one of those things is let them trust you for a couple of months, man. Let them figure out you don't suck. So it's still super important, but don't confuse it with what's going to make you fucking money. Because revenue is not going to be driven by the thing that's best for community. What's best for community is for you to do shit with your members and have great activities and things that make them endeared to you. And you're there and you people love each other and all that woo woo bullshit doesn't make you any goddamn money. It does help with client retention. But what makes you money and gets people to fucking stay are the results. Yeah. And those results come from a higher level, a different level of service. And I think that that's what's been getting confused is that it's like, well, the soft gym math said $150 a month and a hundred members means now I'm making this much money a month. And it's like, but we're, we're missing it. And I think there's a more, there's a, a larger conversation to be had that we can do on another episode, but it all is tied to this piece because there's, there's still, as people are prepping for the new year. As we're recording this in November of 23, it's they're prepping for, all right, what's coming next and how are we going to be able to improve upon where we were and what do we anticipate coming? And I think we're still, most folks are missing the fucking mark of like, this is why you're having, you're having revenue problems because of how these things have been getting done and just kind of doubling down on being like, well, you know, just keep more people or whatever. Like it's, that's not the solution here. Yeah. So... That's all we're going to cover today. We had some more to get into, but we got a little ranty. I tend to do such things. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, make sure you go to the go to uh, follow the show at the Gym Owners Podcast on Instagram. Make sure you go to gymownersrevolution.com. Join the Gym Owners Revolution Facebook group. Link is in the description. Follow me on the show at Tyler F. and Stone and follow John. Follow me at jbanksfl on Instagram. Next week, we're going to go very specifically at some of the bigger traps that I think some of these CrossFit affiliates are falling into um, and how they're identifying stuff, specifically some stuff we read from the Morning Chalk Up and one of their recent uh, conversations about market trends and the opportunities they see for CrossFit gyms. And I think that uh, I just think I disagree with them. So shock, shock by that. Shocked by that news. So, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.